Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. James Bond. My instructions were implicit. I was to leave for Jamaica in two hours. License to kill. Now you maybe miss it. You don't miss a thing. I decided to accept your invitation. I have to leave immediately. Just as things were getting interesting again. License to kill whom he pleases, where he pleases, when he pleases. From the elegant club rooms of Mayfair to exotic island night spots. Good evening. Who pays you? You. Tell us. A strange adventure of intrigue, treachery, and love. Oh, Mr. Bond, I was thinking, why don't you collect me at my apartment? It's lovely up here in the mountains. Her directions were easy to follow, and she sent a few of her friends to make sure I didn't get lost. She thought I was dead, but I proceeded to prove her wrong. I thought it was always polite to knock first. Before shooting. Honey, from our very first meeting, was everything her name implied. She clung to me like a wet bathing suit. But business as usual came first. The pace was killing. I thought you less stupid. I could have had you killed in the swamp. And why didn't you? You damaged my organization. Unfortunately, I misjudged you. You are just a stupid policeman whose luck is run out. Maybe it was my luck. Up to my neck in hot water. Or something blowing up in my face. You'll live 
dangerously with his superbly resourceful James Bond. The explosive screen dramatization of the book that has entertained millions of readers. The exotic and tantalizing Dr. No. Some people will go to any extremes for a little privacy. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo, and joined again by today by my two colleagues, Kyle Zayner, and the wacky co-host. So wacky. Uh, 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 and the less wa- wacky and sleepy Terrence. And the I, Marmaduke. And I'm Barnes, the Marmaduke. James Barnes. James, I always wanted James. to say that. Uh, today, if you can't tell, today we'll be talking about None other than James Bond's first appearance on the big screen. My name's too long to do that. Doctor No Davis, <laughs> Terrence Davis. Um, this is Bond's first appearance, and of course, the great actor Sean Connery uh, portraying him. But before we get started, Kyle, question: mm-hmm. What would be your three digits if you were the agent? It wouldn't be 007. What oh. would it be? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Can I use this while you think about that. I want to use this opportunity to see a joke I saw online. It was hilarious. It was to based see a on joke. Like, to, uh, it, it was. It was. You know. It's based on like online first person shooters. It's like they call me 007. Zero kills. Zero assist. Seven deaths. That must be Apex Legends. Kyle, just think of your agent number. Uh yeah 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 probably uh four four seven I don't know four four seven four four seven um this you is know. agent four well, I know four, wait, no, 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 I got better two six nine you know thanks you fine oh I got what one eight seven here is here is mine it's uh it's agent nine ninety nine because uh, I was the last resort. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kyle, Kyle's like, well, I'd be Agent 1000 because <laughs> I'm starting a new millennium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right in because after like last <laughs> after last week's oh, so Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, all glorifying, we're getting down to some nitty-gritty murders in this, so Terrence? Some fun bond. Take it away. So we have Mr. No. No, Dr. Doe. Sorry. He spent six years in college, Terrence. you got to respect him. <laughs> as man, you can tell, that I'm, man earned I am exhausted as always. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, uh, going off no. the hook. Yeah, I know. Uh, Dr. No. I don't even know where that came from. He didn't get his... Uh, Dr. That's after no. his master's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Dr. No. Uh, 1963. This released May 8th, 1963. Uh, the budget for this was 1.1 million, and this grossed 16 million. 16. And worldwide, also 16 million. It only made about uh, about 10,000 worldwide, so it wasn't so great in international audience. But at the same time. Um, uh, Hollywood wasn't really breaking the, the bounds uh, worldwide either. Then we have uh, I have the box office for this movie, and it's uh, it's interesting. It, it was it's on the top ten, 
and just really close to top five. But on the top, and I just did top seven because, uh, spoiler alert, Dr. No is at number seven of the box office list. So hey, at Kyle, number... let me know if you've seen any of these movies he's about to name. Okay, uh, one quick note that I just did the inflation calculator. Um, $16 million in 1962, the equivalent of about $147 million today. That's yeah, so, so a small budget movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, well, actually, even now, they have like a small earnings. I mean, a small gross. Yeah. Okay, go forward. <laughs> so, uh, box office, 1963. Uh, number one, we have Cleopatra. Have you seen it, Kyle? Uh, no, I've not. I haven't either. Two is How the West Was Won. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Three, it's a mad, mad, <sighs> mad, mad such world. A good Absolute gem. Number four, Tom Jones. It's not unusual not to be loved, loved by, by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> number five, Irma Lee uh, Deuce. And number six, Son of Flubber. Oh, yeah, that's a good movie. And then finally, number seven, Dr. No. I always forget there's an old Flubber movie. I always just think of Robin Williams' version as the Flubber movie. You know, got. honestly, I didn't know until about uh, ten minutes ago when I was writing this down that there was an older Flubber movie that predated. Who was the, um, <laughs> do you remember the actor Jim O'Flubber oh. from Flubber? Was it yeah, not um, James Stewart? I forget his name. Uh, I was going to say Dick Van Dyke, but I don't think that's right no, either. No, it wasn't Dick um, Van Dyke. It was some collection. Uh, like I was just uh, shocked that something predated Robin Williams and, and that particular film that I watched yeah. once you, when I was a you, kid. You had me buy a collection of his, uh, buy a movie collection of his when we, when we, were, when we used to work together. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Fred McMurray. Fred McMurray. Yeah. There we go. You had me buy a collection of his movies. He's um, got some good yeah. stuff, man. They, they are some good movies. Yeah. So, okay, off topic. Back on to you. <laughs> so this was uh, directed by... Terrence Young. Terrence? Terrence. Young, <laughs> Terrence. Young Terrence. Young Terrence. Not just Terrence. Young Terrence. Uh, writers, we have uh, Richard uh, Mybaum, Johanna uh, Harwood. Hey, Terrence. I can Dude. ask you a question. What's up? How many, how many people that we've covered have the middle name, uh... <laughs> all of them oh yes <laughs> I, I just love they, they have dangerously close to having like Bond girl's name of Richard my bum <laughs> and Joanna Hardwood that's just <laughs> uh, I'm sorry maybe I'll do this with the podcast we have just derailed this episode <laughs> So we have Berkeley. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you cannot see it now, can you? I'm swimming. Uh, you're getting the full Terrence experience today. Uh, oh, so normal. <laughs> yeah. This is early. This is pre-Kyle Terrence we got going on tonight. Produced by Albert R. Uh, Broccoli? Yes, Broccoli. That's, that's Broccoli. Mr. All right. Mr. Uh, Broccoli. Harry Salzman. <laughs> Music composed by Monty Norman, cinematographer Ted Moore, editor Peter R. Hunt, and production designer Ken Adam. Ken. Good old Ken. Ken Adam. Uh, then we have the technical specs. Runtime, 110 minutes. Sound mix, mono, Westrex recording system, and DTS 4.1 surround sound system. Uh, this movie is in color. It's as as ratio is 1.66 by 1. Camera used to record this, which is Mitchell BNC. This was edited in Technicolor London, UK. Negative format of 35mm, you know, the same we see all the time. Process spherical and printed form. Printed format is 35mm also. Uh, and this was filmed in UK. Cool. Fun stuff. 
Makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Bond films. And are you off to the award? I'm looking for it. There you are. All right. My favorite part awards. All right. I'm in rare form. 2020. Wow. We're just going to skip to today. Let's go on backwards. Yeah, I see now. Laurel Awards. Second place for the Golden Laurel for top action drama. Third place for Golden Laurel top action performance. Speaking of performance, I had had to laugh at the uh, the car scene, particularly like the 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 cool bits were the part where they were zoomed out and you actually saw you know the stuntmen doing their work. But the moment it zoomed in with Sean Connery just doing the back and forth (laughs) with the wheel, it was pretty janky. Even for the time, I think that would have looked like that's kind of (laughs) rough. That's the best you can do, Sean. Uh, Golden Globes USA 1964. It won a Golden Globe for most promising newcomer, female Ursula Andress. Uh, 2007 Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films USA. Wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't see that a million more times. Exactly. Won a Saturn Award for Best DVD Collection, and this is just for the all of it, all the Bond films, uh, including this one. 2012 IGN Summer Movie Awards. Nominated IGN Award Best Blu-ray Movie. Once again, it's the box set, so it's kind of a, you know... Kind of a gimme. Yeah, it's kind of a gimme. It's all the Bond films, and uh, I'm just going to, because it's once again all the Bond films, 2013 action of science fiction fantasy and horror films usa uh once again another award for uh they were nominated but you know it's a nomination for the box set and then finally 2020 online film and television association it won an ofta film hall of fame motion picture so here's what i find interesting is i wonder how long or if any of the bond films have made the uh national film preservation board I wouldn't know just because they're UK-based films. So well, I, I, I always forget how long a movie has to be out before it hits the National Film Reservation, Preservation Board. Speaking of that, uh, you just posted something on the uh, Facebook group today. Yeah, that was um, or yesterday. Lord of the Rings and, uh, 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 was it Return? That made that's the a, that's, film? A, that's a good question. I, I, I never go on Facebook, so I never, never know. <laughs> there was three of them, I think, there were uh, that you posted on there. Um but while he's looking that up, I think he's done with the awards, Kyle. If you want to go ahead and jump into the I, cast. Oh, you are done with the awards. Okay, I, I will jump into the cast and then. I'm going to keep this a little brief because I kind of dropped the ball this week on my, my return debut because I've been <laughs> under the weather with the global pandemic and all that. <laughs> so, I'm recovered now. That's okay. I dropped the ball so much you think I'm dribbling, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair, fair enough. <laughs> But of course, starting out, we have the, of course, the legendary Sean Connery playing James Bond in this film. Um, he appeared in four other Bond films, including um, Goldfinger from Russia with Love, Thunderball, and Never Say Never Again. And then outside of that, of course, you have films like The Rock and Entrapment, the Dragon Heart. Dragonheart, so many films, The Hunt for Red October, um, Sh- Sean Connery, legendary actor for well deserved Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, last, last one, Crusade. yeah. Uh, last Crusade, and uh, yeah, um, absolutely um, terrific. So uh, just. Sean Connery um, just made a lot of great films. <laughs> so, yeah, good for him. Then next up we have Ursula Andress playing Honey Rider. 
Um, she was in a few other films, um, such as um, she was in the um, the sequel Casino Royale, and she was also in Clash of Clay- Clash of the Titans in 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have Joseph Wiseman playing Doctor No, the titular villain. He was in films such as the 1960 film Un- The Unforgiven and the 1951 film Detective Story, and the 1952 film Viva Senpata. Um, next up, we have Jack Lord playing Felix Leader. Um, he was in the original Hawaii Vavo between 1968 and 1980, and Man of the West in 1958, and The Hangman in 1959. Then we have Bernard Lee playing the legend, the legendary and original M. Period. <laughs> um, <laughs> should I add out M. Period. That's why they always called him M. Period. <laughs> M. M. It's M. The Gadget Master. Um, he appeared in a total of eleven Bond films. Um, so an incredible just legendary actors in this own right, just specifically for this one particular role being M, um, was uh, you know one of the core parts of his career. Um, next up, we have Anthony Dawson playing Professor Dent. He was in films such as Dial M for Murder in 1954, Deadlock in 1970, and Death Rides a Horse in 1967. Next up, we have Zena Marshall playing Miss Taro. Uh, she was in other films such as The Caretaker's Daughter in 1952, and Eunice Grayson um, playing Sylvia Trench. Steven Stitch films such as uh, Russia From Russia with Love, the other Bond film in 1963. And Louis Maxwell playing the other um, um, iconic Miss Moneypenny. Um, she appeared in other films such as Thunderball in 1965 and other Bond films, of course. So Moneypenny also, uh, you know, a central character of the Bond franchise. And uh, I'm just going to put the um, cast there because other people I didn't really get a chance to, to cover because I just didn't make time the proper time for it. Time management skills are bad on me. Um, that is the basically the central cast of Dr. No. Terrence, give us a synopsis of Dr. No. Synopsis. Without looking at your notes. I, I, do, I, I do such say, a good job cheat. of I'm going to look at the notes because I actually have the synopsis. I know you so, did. So, so get this. There's this guy, James Bond, turns out he's a spy. <laughs> My God. No. He's not very secret about it. Mother of God. He's a spy, Synopsis. even though he doesn't change his name anywhere. A respectful British government agent seeks answers in, in a case involving the disappearance of a colleague and the disruption of an American space program. All right, so we're going to talk about this. Uh, in case you don't know, Dr. No is the name of the villain in this movie. Um, all of the sets and furniture were slightly smaller than they would be in reality, so that Bond would look larger. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery was fitted with a toupee for this film. He had started losing his hair when he was only 17, and uh, he began wearing a hairpiece in films in 1958. From Goldfinger onwards, he wore a full wig. In this film, he wore a dry toupee and a wet toupee for when he was in the water. Uh. What? We need Kyle. Oh, (laughs) pausing it for Kyle. All right, now that we've settled Kyle down, uh, let's get back to it. Uh, Sean Connery. Or not, because I found out about the National Film <laughs> Registry Board. Oh, no. So it was three movies Wally, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, and Selena, among other movies. Okay. Good grief. So, anyway, <laughs> 007, Sean Connery, <laughs> he was afraid of spiders. The shot of the spider in his bed was done with a sheet of glass between him and the spider which can be seen in one shot in the movie. When this didn't look realistic enough, additional close-up scenes were reshot with stuntman Bob Simmons. Simmons reported that the tarantula crawling over Bond was the scariest stunt he had ever performed. 
According to Stephen J. Rubin's 1981 book, The James Bond Films, this tarantula was named Rosie. Aww. <laughs> Rosie's so cute. Uh, this was chosen to be the inaugural movie in the James Bond film franchise as the plot of the source novel was the most straightforward. It had only one major location, which was Jamaica, and only one big special effects set piece. Hmm. The location was just terribly represented, but... Uh. <laughs> no, no, but I think the, this is like the first of four Bond films that were all set in Jamaica. That's true. But also, it is... <laughs> Maybe may a trend of a lot of Bond films, especially <laughs> early in the area. It's like, is this a country where it's not full of white people? Like, no? Well, then they're all barbarians. That's a little bit of a problem with a lot of European films. <laughs> um, as detailed as uh, Dr. No's underwater layer was, one vital element was very nearly forgotten... Background plates of fish swimming in the sea to be added to the thick glass window. The necessary film was quickly found among library footage the day before the scene was to be filmed. When it turned out, the footage featured extreme close-ups of goldfish. It was decided to have Dr. No explain that the window works as a magnifying glass. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, hilarious. what you got. I appreciate that. Do you remember when they walk in, uh, they're going to eat, uh, him and Ursula Andrus is going to eat... uh, supper or whatever with Dr. No and they look at that painting to the side and, and Sean Connery just stares and looks at it for a second and then he goes on up well funny a Francisco de Goya painting of the Duke of Wellington stolen in August of 1961 from London's National Gallery is found on the easel next to the stairs going up to Dr. No's dining area which is why Bond stops to notice if as he passes it while going up the stairs it was recovered in 1965 when this movie first came out British audience laughed upon seeing the Goya knowing it had been stolen According to the director, Terrence Young, the idea for the stolen painting prop came from the film's Irish co-screener, Johanna Harwood. A clip of this scene is featured on, in the Duke 2020, which dramatized the theft. I thought that was just funny, though. That's, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, true attention details, especially for the era. Yeah. According to Lois Maxwell, Ursula Andress made quite an impression at the rap party. At the party, she danced with all the crew, and she was the first grown woman I had ever known who didn't wear a bra. As she danced, those wonderful breasts were just swaying. I remember thinking, how marvelous it must be to be that uninhibited, and I wanted to throw my bra off, but I didn't have the courage. Ursula Andrews, the life of the party. Uh, After viewing this movie, James Bond creator Ian Fleming reported described as being dreadful. It's just simply dreadful. So I guess he didn't really like it, so... Uh, The armor who gives Bond his Walther PPK at the start of the movie is Major Boothroyd, who is the in the next movie from Russia with Love, who played by uh, Desmond Lebon. But anyway, Goldfinger, the armor would forever be known as Q, or the Quartermaster. Quartermaster. This is the only Bond film in which W7... W7. WC Fields. WC Fields, yo. W07 is the wish.com of Bond. In which 007 is... This is the only film in which 007 is battered slash attacked by a woman. Miss Turo spits in his face, and he does not retaliate. So, fun fact about that. Every movie where he gets solved by a woman, he immediately fights back and just goes aggressive. As Sean Connery does in real life. Sorry. God rest his soul. God rest his soul. Bless his heart. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, going uh, Legendary actor, not a yeah, great person. Yes, uh, yes. Let's see. 
So, uh, while searching for Dr. No's hideout, Honey Rider and Quirrell speaks of a dragon being sighted <laughs> in the beach. Bond states clearly that there are no such thing as dragons. And uh, this is hilarious because in 1996, Dragonheart was released. <laughs> the voice of Drago the Dragon was provided by Sean, Sean, Connery. Sean Connery. That is just one of the funniest facts of all time. There's no such thing as dragons. <laughs> I am the last one. <laughs> uh, Sir Sean Connery won the role of James Bond after producer Albert Broccoli attending a screening of Darby O'Gill and the Little People. In 1959, he was particularly impressed with the fist fight Connery has with a village bully at the climax of the movie. So, uh, you ever seen Darby O'Gill and the Little People? Nope. Never. No. About no. It's the one where he finds the leprechauns? Oh, you gotta it, see it. This is all you, Jimbo. Oh, I have no man. idea. This doesn't even exist to me. <laughs> Connery's uh, suits for the film are made by Seville Row Taylor Anthony Sinclair. Sinclair stated that a truly great bespoke suit would be able to stand up to a good deal of abuse, such as grabbing by the lapels and still look great afterwards. To prove his point... Sean Connery was asked to sleep in the suit. When he woke up the next morning, he was stunned to see that it looked fantastic. Oh, wow. That's that that is Those really suits still around? <laughs> yeah. <I was> <laughs> uh, when Bond enters his apartment at the beginning and finds Sylvia Trench playing golf, she was originally supposed to be nude, but the censors objected to this. <sighs> the disappointment of Kyle's voice. <laughs> and this is, uh, I think this thing, so this is only uh, the first one of only uh, three films or four films you see Sean Connery's apartment. Hmm. Oh, wow. all the That's seven, cool. so. interesting detail. Um, in South Korea, the literal translation of the movie was 007 Murder Number. That's a great, that's murder a great number. Title. That's really for a band, Murder Number. Really <laughs> <laughs> for a song or album. I don't know. It's my new punk band name. <laughs> exactly. Uh, here, here's uh, something on the logistics side of things. So, the uh, scientific equipment worth almost uh, 100,000 pounds was made available for the underground radioactive. Uh, radioactivity laboratories, uh, which stretched across eighteen thousand square foot space. That's a pound, as in the British, British money francs, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the the sterlings, the, the all your fake money. Do you names. know who the cousin of Arthur Ian Fleming was? Even though the pound is worth more than the dollar right now. <laughs> Kyle, I'm joking. Sorry, Jim. But who what was who was the cousin of Ian Fleming? The, cousin the author of, of Ian Fleming. The author of Ian. What? The cousin of Arthur, I, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. He wanted to play Dr. No, his cousin, Sir Christopher oh. Lee. Oh, wow. Okay, that's <laughs> a really small world moment there. For right. Sure. Especially since Sir Christopher Lee was a real spy. <laughs> <laughs> Although there are uh, persistent Saruman. <laughs> he, was, he, he, did, he did all of the James Bond things for real. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Although there are persistent Always rumors never cease to amaze me. <laughs> that Ursula Andress was naked in the shower scene to clean her of radiation, closer inspection reveals that she is wearing a nude-colored one-piece swimsuit. And Kyle said, Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh, The studio's Japanese affiliate originally translated the title as, We Don't Want Doctors. <laughs> uh, Sir Sean Connery is the godfather of Ursula Andress' son, Dimitri Hamlin. So speaking of Ursula Andress, uh, she hated filming that scene where Bond, Ryder, and Quirrell were confronting the dragon tank uh, because the marshes and the swamps... St- just terribly smelly. Just, just really oh, yeah. bad. Just, just 
awful. Yeah, some of these things are a lot better to see than to be experienced. You know, being in those environments, like it smells awful. I mean, have you ever and been like forget a about that all the time, or like a bog that it's just. Get out of my swamp! Get out of my swamp! People forget about that all the time. You see amazing photos of beautiful places. It's like, you don't realize that place smells so bad. (laughs) So bad. Uh, Honey Rider emerging from the sea is one of the most iconic scenes in all of the James Bond film franchises. And something that Ursula Andress is famed for to this day. Andress admits bewilderment. It's a mystery. All I did was wear this bikini. Not even a small one. And whoosh. Overnight. I made it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know this uh, because I've just I've watched a lot of these and skipped a couple and I've watched them outrageously out of order. Uh, but this is the first Bond movie. Mm-hmm. But Sir Sean Connery was not the first James Bond. Mm-hmm. The honor goes to Barry Nelson, who played Bond in Climax 1954, Season 1, Episode 3. Casino Royale. Which is obviously the name of another Bond movie. Which I wonder how, how if there's a, a, you know, moments in that episode that, trans, or that you know, was copied over into the movie itself. To a degree. I, I've seen a lot of some of, the, some of the books to film adaptations or something like that. Like, like Quantum of Solace is like, like, uh, like, that that whole book is like a really short story that you can finish like half an hour about like an old <laughs> about a rich man who talks about his wife and how like she doesn't care about him at all. Like she never even gave me the quantum of solace. You know, quantum being the smallest, you know, part, yeah. you know, smartest piece of matter in the universe. And and that's we see the whole book. That's nothing like the movie, of course. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the movie. And that goes for a few of the adaptations for films in the series overall. Isn't some of the remakes. Speaking like, of side the things, title, there's, a, there's a documentary I saw. Uh, it's called Becoming Bond. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, but all that to say I learned while watching that, because uh, I, I didn't know about the books mm-hmm. at all. Um, I was just like, oh, cool, Bond movies. They were series of movies to me. They hold as well as movies for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, as, as far, when it came from you know being a book to being a movie, uh, the the writer hated the fact that uh, Sean Connery was playing Bond because traditionally Bond was English in the books, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know Sean of course Connery Sean is clearly so, not. Yes. <laughs> uh, Ursula Andress' salary for her appearance in this movie was six thousand dollars. Uh, the movie's line, Bond, James Bond, was voted as the number 22 movie quote by the American Film Institute and as number 51 of the 100 Greatest Movie Lines by Premiere. Contrary to popular belief, Bond, James Bond, is not the first line he says. The first line he says is, I am out of your courage, miss. Then he says the line when his face is shown. Fun fact. <laughs> not the first line he says. Yeah. Also, Felix's uh, letter doesn't appear in the book at all. Yep. As I said, adaptations are kind of weird sometimes, especially in the Bond series. Two weeks before filming was due to start, the part of Honey Rider was still to be cast. The producers then saw a photograph of a then-unknown Ursula Andress in a white t-shirt. Uh, not wet, uh, white, a wet t-shirt, <laughs> and offered her the part without even meeting her. <laughs> so I guess that's typecasting. <laughs> yeah. You can draw your conclusions from there, audience. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, man, Jimbo, I think I may have stolen your favorite, your favorite notes by accident. Um, there was a long-standing rumor that in early drafts of the script for Dr. No, um, Dr. No himself turned out to be a monkey. I know. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and let's hear what's going to see the whole video. That's some With, Silent Hill ending type yeah, I, I, I would, stuff, man. I, that movie this movie would be ten times better if that was the case. But 
<laughs> and it went straight into the movie Outbreak. <laughs> yes, yes, I am fully on board. Um, okay. So apparently, when first approached by producers Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman, screenwriters Wolfie Mankowitz, um, Mankowitz and Richard Maybaum, um discarded most of the source material and wrote a story treatment about shipping magnate called um, Butchwald attempting to blow up the Panama Canal. Dr. No was a monkey god worshipped on the island, <laughs> and the villain kept a... Uh, Capuchin, a capuchin monkey as a pet. Broccoli and Saltzman told them that to try again and then to, and this time to stick more closely to the source material. Mankiewicz was dissatisfied with the script and had his name removed from the credits. His, he later co-wrote the James Bond parody Casino Royale, um, which co-starred Ursula Andress, who played Honey Rider in this movie. <laughs> uh, due to the oh, low sorry. budget and only one sound editor it was hired, normally there's two. Uh, a lot of the scenery had to be made in cheaper ways, with M's office featuring cardboard paintings and a door covered in a leather-like plastic. The room where Dent meets Dr. No cost only uh, 745 pounds to build, and the aquarium in Dr. No's base consisted of magnified stock footage of goldfish. Furthermore, when our director Sid Kane found out his name was not in the credits, producer Albert R. Broccoli gave him a golden pen to compensate, saying that he did not want to spend money making the credits again. <laughs> Here's your gold pen. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, the sounds of birds throughout the film, the sounds of birds whistling, were made by a children's bird call whistle. Not actual reports. <laughs> do, do you ever have one of those, those little things that you put on your tongue? Oh, I've yeah. had those before. They're, they're terrible. Cool. I don't know. I think they're cool. Um, <laughs> in the original novel, which <laughs> when Bond's breaking out, uh, there was going to be an obstacle course after that he had to go through for Dr. No at the end. There was a seaside cage where he had to fight a giant squid. Um, <laughs> the movie altered and toned down all of that, and the obstacle course idea lost in relation from the novel to the movie. In the following scene, a sequence involving Honey Rider being tied to the ground and being attacked by a swarm of crabs was scrapped because many of the crustaceans arrived frozen, dead, and damaged. Oh, no. Yeah. In the movie, I show water was the threat instead. Remember when she's tied on the rock? Yeah. yeah. For how come we've come in special effects territories in the years, it's annoying to me that we haven't had more stories of uh, men just fighting giant sea creatures. <laughs> I want to see them more of that. And, and that was, I was curious as to, like, what was going on at the very end. You know, he's looking for Honey. He's running around the facility. Honey, where are you? And then he just... Finds her just an obligatory just, just like. Gets there, yeah. Well, no, he grabs that. He grabs that lady and says, "What room is she in?" He, she said yeah, twelve, and 12. she's like, grabs her, drags her, show me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but but like, then the guys are there. He just comes up and he punches her. You know, and she's just just in it like a canal thing. Like I don't know. It's, it's, just, a, it's a little anticlimactic moment. It is. In that yeah, yeah. Film. She's just yeah. like. Okay, I mean, but if was you, she really in any danger? But if you look at it, you remember when he's crawling through the thing and that water came through. That's true. Uh, yeah. So you don't know. She was right in front of that grate or whatever, so I'm assuming that he was going to flood it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the white bikini worn by Ursula Andress in this movie was sold by her at Christie's auction in London on February 14, 2001 for £35,000 and was purchased by... Kyle Zayner. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> it was purchased right. <laughs> I was waiting for Robert yeah. Earl of Planet Hollywood. And with commission and tax fees, the total was actually around 41,000 pounds. Before the auction, the bikini had been estimated to fetch 40,000 uh, 40, pounds. The bikini top originally was made from an underwire bra sold from a Saks Fifth Avenue in New York City. Costume designer Tessa Wellborn ordered three of the bras, covering them in cotton and refining the design. The belt scene in the movie was made from a white webbing army belt with brass fittings and a scabbard. Uh, after this movie's release, bikini swimwear sales skyrocketed. She should have saved it and held out. She could have got more. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In 2019, Cary Grant's daughter, Jennifer Grant, revealed that her father later regretted turning down the role of James Bond. He would have been a pretty good James Bond, too. An excellent James Bond, yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah. 
Um, this is the only completely animated opening title sequence in the EON Productions James Bond official film franchise until Casino Royale in 2006. Huh. Um, owing to the limited wardrobe budget, Lois Maxwell wore her own clothes as Miss Moneypenny, as did other actors in similar small parts. Speaking of uh, just certain, you know, uh, interesting facts about just during the filming of all this, uh, filming for this movie only lasted 58 days. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for, for what they did, it was, it was pretty quick. Well, they only had one set, really, to build. It's all true. You know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like the rate of the films. Like, you're not doing a war movie where you have to make all these props and all these different, like, set locations all, <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff, all about the journey. You know, this one's like, being a spy film, you do have, like, enclosed locations that you can just kind of film out and spread out the budget with and it'd be a little easier to film. So Speaking of different film locations, when they were on the film location for... Uh, the Bond leaving the airport, the uh, they pass a pink Cadillac with a vanity plate reading Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. No's dragon tank that uh, they were all afraid of, the, all the locals, was a swamp buggy covered in metal sheeting. To move it and keep it from sinking into the swamp, it moved on special underwater ramp provided by uh, our director, Sid Kane. <laughs> when Dr. No goons appear all- along the beach to kill Bond, Quarrel, and Honey... The gunfire attracted the attention of a group of off-duty U.S. naval officers who went to the set to see what was happening. <laughs> That's fantastic. They made the stories uh, we have like, yeah, gunfire was going off, and then we, and then the police showed up. So, yeah, it's <laughs> tough making movies. <laughs> the body count in this movie sixteen. Actually, I, 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 got, I got to look up the statistics. I wonder if like if that's really low or high for James Bond movies. Actually, I mean, I imagine that's we, like if we're including the, the newer ones, then pretty low. If we're including just the older ones, uh, now are are we throwing the Timothy Timothy Dalton one into the because <laughs> that that's a pretty high body count? I'm sure somebody has like a whole spreadsheet of like every era of films <laughs> and like their statistics on like this is the average murder for Sean Connery. Because I, I want to <laughs> say like like Bond had a pretty I would say prob- that was probably about average for a Bond film until Timothy Dalton, and then we kind of like ramp up even when we get into the uh, Pierce Brosnan, uh, Pri- Pierce Brosnan, and then you know we just go uh, all out once you hit Daniel Craig, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, like Priest Brosnan, he like he took out an entire Antarctic base by himself, so he probably killed hundreds of people. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Although his voice is heard earlier, Doctor No doesn't appear until one hour and twenty seven minutes into the movie. So it's when he's like less is more, even with a villain. Like he have him show up late, that's when he feels more imposing. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, it's like the uh, the evil bad guy in uh, Inspector Gadget. You only hear his voice at the end of every episode, pretty much. Doctor, <laughs> yeah. Was it, was it, was it Mr. Mr. Hook or Doctor Claw? Doctor Claw. Doctor Claw. I think you're right. Yes. Um, John Steers was asked to help with the miniatures. He had only a budget of 1,000 pounds for the effects of the destructions of Dr. No's Fortress. Did you just remember what it blew up? It looked like a little popsicle stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's what I found like, just, just kind of laughable about that whole deal is um, that was a radioactive facility. So, like, that explosion would have way more consequences right. and implications than they actually were, especially for the people yeah. within the distance. It's like, they're fine. Like, no. oh, yeah, you know, Connor, he's just chilling. No, 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 that man has radioactive poisoning, and so does that woman. Yeah. <laughs> and you should stay clear and away from large them. quantities of radioactive material throughout, like, you know, like, that's going to be spread over a 50-mile radius at least, and then it's going to be wind fallout. Oh, my God, it goes bad. Well, I mean, it's like, uh, like the, based the, off the that Fuku- Fukushima reactor or whatever that's still leaking over there by Japan. You remember when that yeah, typhoon Chernobyl. went through there? Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Remember that time Bond killed Jamaica? <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's this movie. <laughs> 
Sorry. Um, the movie's United States release was stalled by a political climate after the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> yeah, I so certainly understand that, given the subject matter of the film. Right. <laughs> Uh, once inside Dr. No's base, while they were being escorted to dine with Dr. No, Honey notices James' hands are sweating. This is possibly the only time in any Bond movie that he openly admits that he's scared. This also helps to remind the audience that he's a real man and not invincible and increases the tension. Mm-hmm. Something else I think is like a little bit lost even in modern films now. It's like, like it's not... They, they, they're like a, the current film was Daniel Craig and then moving on to the future. Like He's not as down-to-earth and human as like other people. He's more just completely... Um, uh, assassin. Yeah. yeah, he's just an assassin. Yeah. He's very standoffish. You think he has no emotion whatsoever? <laughs> At least in the films I saw where like, I'm not impressed with his emotional range. He's just too much of an action hero. Yeah. Um, hopefully they improve that with the next Bond. And one thing I noticed future. at the end, you know, where they're, they're in the boat and um, he's like, hey, give me a tow or whatever, you know. Yeah. And he sends a title. If you watch James Bond and Ursula Andrews, they switch places, different shots, like yeah. um, left to right, <laughs> right to left. And I'm like, what? And then the, the, the part where he took off his shoes, remember, and he's, and he, or well, he gets electrocuted on that fence. So he takes off his shoes to push open the grate or whatever. Yeah. As soon as he pushes it open, he puts his shoes behind him and he claws right through and his shoes are on his feet again. And yeah. I'm like, did he have two pairs of shoes? James Bond is good. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, man. It's bad accounts for uh, You got anything else over there, Kyle? No, I'm finishing up my notes. All right. How about you? Let's start with uh, Terrence this time. Terrence, what do you think about Sean Connery as James Bond? So this was my first time watching this particular Bond film. Uh, really? And it was, it was pretty good. So... Coming into this, I expected it I kind of. I mean, this seems to be a recurring theme with me uh, when I jump into some of these movies. Is I expect it to be problematic, especially you know considering you know who's starring in it, time and, period, oh, and subject time matter. period, yeah, subject just... matter. Just too many things that were like this could not age, have aged well. Um, no, it's it's still a really good movie. I mean, it's a Bond film, right? Uh, I, it was it's a solid you know spy movie. Uh, I'd I'd watch it again, and I watch majority of the other Bond films again. I mean, I, I I'm I like Bond, so it's easy for me to come into this and be like, yeah, I'd watch it again. I really enjoyed it. If you like Bond, you come back and watch this movie. Um, or if you casually like Bond like I did and haven't watched this movie till now, watch this movie. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> now it's. Well, you do, you do have to have sort of that likeness for sort of that that spy you know suaveness and sort of action y kind of movie, but like action y in you know the '60s sense, not so much in like today's sense. You know, he's not going yeah. full John Wick, right? But um, uh, you know, it's that classic you know spy film yeah. of like you know you got your action, you got the suaveness of you know the spy who's gonna also you know get the chick and and all this other stuff. So it's you know it's a classic movie in, in that sense. Um, but overall, it's not too problematic. I mean, the only thing that was just the the two glaring things that I had a problem with was more of the logistical part in the end of like yeah no that's just radioactive. We could have figured that something out better there. Yeah. Um, and then secondly was just the absolute terrible representation of Jamaica as a whole (laughs) and I'm like listening to the music and I'm like like none of that is actual Jamaican music like it has to it has to be like at best, it would be like, yeah, we play this to like rope in tourists, but like we yeah. listen to this that. is what people in the UK think we're just going to adopt that belief and do no research at all. Exactly, we're, like we're they exactly give us their money. You pay people believe. Yeah, they're they're giving us their money to play this crappy music. So here you go. Um, but no, overall, yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. It was entertaining. 
Yeah. It's a bombshell. Yeah. Um, overall, I think I kind of echo what Terrence kind of put down there. I, I agree throughout the entire uh, Bond series and films in the 60s. Of course, you occasionally will come across um, uh, things that are problematic nowadays or just don't kind of hold up or just the moments are just like, okay, this was a, this is a little too sexist even for me right now. <laughs> this is a little, going a little too far where I feel uncomfortable even just watching it. Um, but this film um, holds up really well. Um, still, overall, a very good film and doesn't have those kind of, um, you know, those... Overly traumatic, overly um, uh, over problematic moments where like I feel uncomfortable even just watching it, and so I think this one holds up a lot better than a lot of the other Bond films, and is one of the um, best in the series. So overall, it's a film I really do appreciate. Can't wait to cover more in the future, I'm sure, in time. And um, overall, just a pretty excellent film. Jimbo, how do you feel? Sean Connery is my favorite 007 agent. Uh, I think he plays James Bond the best out of all of them. Um, I would have liked to see him do more movies. You know, instead of instead of <laughs> You're going into where now you have like what, six or seven of them now. You had Roger Moore, you had uh, Timothy Dalton, oh, yeah. you had Pierce Brosnan, you got the Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig, and whoever mm-hmm. else is going to be coming up. You know, you, you know your so favorite <laughs> now. Who's your favorite Bond? I, I, I'll say that for another episode. <laughs> I'll say that one for another James Bond episode. Got it. Got it. I'll 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 spur for, mine for me. You. Ah, I got you. The next one we're doing is Jay, uh, Sean Connery too. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it later. But for uh, but for me, like I I don't feel comfortable choosing right now off the top of my head. Um, and for me also, it's a battle of like who was the least bad in my opinion. <laughs> like I feel like I'm still waiting for a really good bond in, in my personal in my humble opinion. Uh, mine is the most unpopular opinion ever. Uh, but I really like Timothy Dalton as Bond. I just like that movie a lot. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think yeah. that that movie just was uh, uh it was beyond. But you say that, but this is your first time seeing this one. It's so you have that's what one. what are you based on just the one movie <laughs> yeah. have you seen the one where they went to the moon is a Roger Moore I think goes to the moon so. yeah. moonwalker I think or something yeah, like that yeah. oh, it's terrible um, but there you have it uh, there is uh, episode 85 86 around there yeah. probably. so in that ballpark um, we've decided that next week we're going to tackle one of the uh, classic three hour marathon movies I'm sure it is so Terrence be ready oh boy um, it will be Lawrence of Arabia. It's one of the top 10 greatest movies of all time, usually on any mm-hmm. list you look at. So um, I haven't seen it in a very, very long time because I think it put me to sleep the first time I tried to watch it. So <laughs> I got to go in here with fresh eyes and look yeah. at it. So We're definitely going in like, this is going to be close to like the Ben-Hur territory of right. like film density. We have to get through to right. get through this one. So it's going to so, be a big podcast. Right. Oh, we got a museum for this one? <laughs> <laughs> if only. Yeah. You got to go over to Saudi Arabia for it. <laughs> Ooh, maybe not. <laughs> well, with that being said, I think this episode is coming to a close and that's a wrap. And, and cut. cut.